Welcome to Walking Together, a podcast all about encouraging each other as we follow Jesus together. I'm your host, Dennis Lavelle. Let's start walking. We are in the process of packing up our house to move. We live in a small medieval city in Belgium, surrounded by an old moat, and the sewer system just can't handle the number of people that live in the city. And the stench and the fumes that come up from under the house have helped us make a decision that we need to find a different place to live. And as I look around at everything we're boxing up, it's quite clear to me that God has blessed us with way more than what we need. And I think most of you listening are thankful for the words that the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi when he says, My God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, we like that. We agree with that. God will give us all we need. But have you also realized that sometimes God will only give us what we need to obey? And the difference in perspective is huge. All we need or only what we need. And this is what I want us to consider this morning. I want you to come along with me to an event that takes place in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8-10. through 10. Over the past 30 years, we have traveled to so many churches, so many places, and have met so many people, and have made so many friends. And they will say to us, hey, anytime you're in the area, just stop by. And they mean it. And the same invitation was given to Elisha by a rich lady and her husband. Now, one day when Elisha was traveling to the city of Shunem, he met a prominent and influential woman, and she persuaded him to come and eat a meal, and he accepted her kind offer. She told him, hey, anytime you're close by, just come by for another meal. Now, honestly, who would want to pass up that offer, right? So that's exactly what he did. He took her up on her invitation. And as you read these verses, you see that going through Shunem was something that he did quite often. So much so that the lady told her husband, hey, he's here so much, let's provide him with the room too where he can stay the night. So in verse 10, we see that they provided him a little room, a little chamber. Now don't miss that. Since this woman was wealthy and influential, at least in my mind's eye, her house would not have been small. But rather, they chose to give him a small room. And here's the point. God's servants don't need a lot of things, nor big things. Yes, it's great to have a nice house, a new car, the most recent iPhone, but they're not essential for being sensitive to other people's needs. So she offered this small room from the kindness of her heart. Now, she didn't have to. And this could have gone sideways quickly. How many times have you offered something out of the kindness of your heart only to have that person say, well, no thanks. And their answer offended you, right? And we are so easily offended, aren't we? Well, I want you to notice that there were four things that were given to him in that little room. And these are the same four things that we need in our lives to be effective servants for the Lord. And here they are. A bed, 
a table, a stool, and a lamp. So let's take a look at those one by one. The first thing was a bed. And this speaks of rest. You know, having a good mattress makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Our mattress is so bad that we're actually sleeping on a pull-out couch because that's more comfortable. Now, thankfully, it's just a temporary solution until we get a new mattress. And for me, the goal isn't really to get seven to eight hours of sleep, but rather seven to eight hours of rest. Jesus says something about rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, you give me your stress, you give me your burdens, you give me your worries, and I will exchange those for rest. Would you agree that rest is something that we need more of? God already knows this. Matter of fact, one of the Ten Commandments, the fourth to be exact, specifically tells us that we are to be focused on Him and rest for an entire day. I mean, how can you not love a God who makes you take a day off? And he says, come to me if you need rest for your souls. And here's what I know. If you have no inner peace, you've ignored his invitation. And the problem with you and me is that from the moment we get into trouble, when we're afraid, when we're worried about something, when we have doubts, we take control. Why do we do this? Well, very simply, we trust ourselves more than we trust anybody else. As a matter of fact, we trust ourselves more than we trust God. And so the solution is not less stress, but rather more trust. And we try to do all sorts of things to reduce stress. Some do aromatherapy. Some people get a massage. Others listen to music. Maybe you go shopping and spend money. I know people who just eat chocolate to reduce stress. And none of those things are terrible in and of themselves, but they're only temporary solutions. You're going to need more chocolate really soon. Let me try to illustrate it this way. Let's say you owe $250,000 on your home and you struggle to make your mortgage payments to the bank each month. So you pick up a second job and your spouse picks up a second job, and within three years, your house is completely paid off. I know that's kind of a fairy tale situation, but think with me just for a moment. When you make the last payment on your mortgage, at that moment, you will have lowered your financial stress. But that does not mean that you've added true peace and rest to your life. You only have less stress. You see, less stress does not give you God's peace automatically. It's God's peace that takes away stress. But less stress doesn't give you God's peace. So what's the secret? Well, not less stress, but more trust in your Heavenly Father. More trust means more peace. And this rich lady and her husband offered Elisha a place to stay and he didn't have to accept her offer. And you don't have to take Jesus up on his offer to swap your inner turmoil for his peace. And sadly, many don't. But I'm telling you, it's just not a wise thing to do. 
Now, growing up, I discovered that I could leverage sleep to reduce stress. Even as an adult, rest is my number one stress relief. Does the problem go away while I'm sleeping? Absolutely not. But what happens is that I have more strength to face the issue at hand when I wake up. So take Jesus up on his offer to exchange your stress, your worry, your burdens for his rest. The second thing that was provided was a table. Now that speaks of nourishment. And we all need a spiritual table where we can eat and gain strength from. One day I was watching Bargain Hunt. It's a British TV show that has two teams who go out and try to find some items to turn around and sell at auction for a profit. And the host of the show came across the table and he stopped to explain the phrase, the turning of the tables. And it actually comes from England in the 17th century when famous kings ruled their country. But our culture has adopted that phrase as a slogan for paying someone back for doing something bad to us. Well, we're going to turn the tables on him. But the origin describes a stark contrast where a large decorative table would sit in the middle of a huge dining area. One side was for banquets, for honored guests, royalty even, and it was beautifully polished and ornate. Then there was a lever on the end and you pulled it and you could then turn the table over. Now that side was rough. It was ugly and stained because it was used for orgies and drinking feasts. So depending on the event, that would determine which side of the table was showing. And sadly, a lot of people live like a two-sided table. When they're around their church family and close friends, they act one way. But then, as easy as pulling a lever, the ugly side gets flipped up. And David writes in Psalm 23, verse 5, Lord, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And he paints this mental picture for us that we can sit down and eat in the middle of an active battlefield without fear. Why? Because we have exchanged our stress for his rest. The third thing this lady provided for Elisha was a stool, a chair. And this speaks of preparation and learning. And I don't know about you, but when I was in school, my teacher did not allow us to run around while she was teaching. We sat at a desk in a chair. Why? Well, because you learn more when you're sitting. You pay attention more. And the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and he encourages him to study, to show himself approved to God. And then he goes on to talk about two guys by the name of Hymenius and Philetus who chose not to study truth. And he describes these guys as a canker. It's translated as gangrene in other places. But a canker is a fungal disease that eats away at the bark of a tree. And it will always kill the tree. 
And these guys believed a lie that was told to them. And that lie was that the second coming of Jesus had already taken place. And the lie that they were spreading caused people to give up. And they would say, well, then why bother to live a godly life? Now, don't forget, Jesus says, not just take my yoke upon you, but he also says, learn of me. And the more you learn of him, the more at rest you will be. You'll be able to sleep better. That's the bed. You'll be able to eat even when everything around you is anything but calm. That's the table. And you'll continue to grow in your ability to trust him by sitting and learning more about who he is. That's the stool. And the fourth thing was a candlestick, a lamp. And this speaks of direction and testimony. For the last 15 years or so, I have met together with a group of men in a small village in Germany. And it's a time of prayer, refocus, encouragement, and planning. And the hotel faces a large hill that's actually a cemetery. And there are hundreds of candles burning at night. And every time I see that, I think of the words that Jesus said in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And Elisha's life gave direction and light for others. Elisha needed a testimony that wasn't hidden. And it wasn't. God supplied everything Elisha needed to be the prophet God wanted him to be. Now, here's the thing. God didn't drop a bed, a table, a stool, and a candlestick from heaven. I mean, he could have, like he did with the manna in the wilderness. But he chose a lady with a sensitive heart who reached out to someone who was faithfully doing God's work. And what people fail to see is that God uses people to bless people. Ever needed groceries and they showed up on your doorstep? Ever have a flat tire and a random stranger stops to help you? Ever get some money in the mail that you weren't expecting? Who supplied that need? God. But who did he use? People. God uses people to meet the needs of his people. And God might be prompting you to be a blessing to someone else. Now, notice Elijah didn't force his God upon this lady and her husband. If you read verse 8 again, you'll see that he stopped by numerous times to get a meal and to sleep at the room they had prepared. But it wasn't until they had watched him and observed his character time and time again that the woman finally said to her husband, Hey, this man is different. He's holy. You see that in verse 9. Well, what convinced her? His testimony, his lifestyle, his consistency. So here's the question. If God chose to rearrange your circumstances, if God chooses to pare down your life so that the only four things you had were a bed, a table, a stool, and a lamp, would you be as faithful as Elisha was? And we have all these things. Now, don't get me wrong. I love gadgets. 
But truthfully, they can easily serve as distractions and not tools that help us to do God's will. So ask yourself, what do I need in my life to serve Him more effectively and more faithfully? Is it more or less? And if we're honest, for most of us, God probably needs to take some things out of our lives so that we can have less. And because we have less, we will learn to depend on Him more. I hope this has encouraged you today. If so, download the episode and forward it to a friend. Be content with what God has blessed you with and use those things for His honor. I'll see you next time. Thank you.